Living Corporate is brought to you by The Break Room. Have you ever felt burnt out, depressed, or otherwise exhausted by being one of the onlys at work? You know what I'm talking about. Hosted by black psychologists, psychiatrists, and PhDs, The Break Room is a live weekly web show in the Living Corporate Network that discusses mental health, wellness, and healing for black folks at work. Name another weekly show explicitly focused on mental health, wellness, and healing for black folks at work. I'll wait. This is why you got to check out The Break Room, airing every Thursday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on livingcorporate.tv. Hey, everybody, this is See It to Be It, the Saturday podcast from Living Corporate. Living Corporate is a digital media network that centers and amplifies black and brown people at work. My name is Amy C. Wanninger, and I'm the host of See It to Be It. When I was growing up in rural southern Indiana, I didn't know people who went to college or who worked in professional roles. If they went, they never came back. And I didn't know what those jobs looked like or how to break into them. But this show isn't about me, it's about the guests. Every Saturday, I bring you career stories from everyday role models in jobs you may not know exist. More importantly, the folks I interview share their perspectives as black and brown professionals in jobs and environments where they may be the only. My guest on today's show is Carmen Ladipo. Carmen is an expert in creating wonderful experiences for the people around her. And you're going to hear a lot more about that in today's show. But before we get to that, we're going to tap in with Tristan for some career advice. What's going on, Living Corporate? It's Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting, and I've teamed up with Living Corporate to bring you all a weekly career tip. This week, I want to talk to you about the importance of reflecting on your career. Today, I participated in a LinkedIn Live where the topic was change, specifically taking change by the horns. We discussed many things surrounding change, including a big career transition that I'm going to be making. But one of the things that we discussed was career changes and knowing the transferable skills to get you to the job that you want. Now, when I talk to many of my clients, I find that that's the exact issue that they have. They don't understand the transferable skills that they possess to get them the job that they want. And I've been sitting and thinking about why that is. And I've come to the conclusion that it's because many of us are not necessarily reflecting on our career and the experiences that we've had. We're so in the throes of our day-to-day job that we don't tend to keep track of the things that we've done or experienced or the results we've driven. But unfortunately, if you're looking to make some major career changes, that information is so essential. So I know you're probably like, well, okay, what can I do with that? Well, I tell people, if you know what job you want to get, start reading job descriptions and then directly following that, read your resume to reflect over the experiences that you have inside of it, but also start thinking about the experiences that you may not be listing that align with what you read in that job description. You don't want to just think about achievements and awards, but you want to think about projects you were involved in and how you created results there. You want to think about ideas or strategies you recommended that somebody may somebody else may have implemented. You also want to think about things like trainings or involvements in employees resource groups or anything that's going to help you connect the dots so you can paint the picture of why you're the best candidate for that job. 
Now, after reflecting, if you can't relate anything in your experience to where you want to go, you probably need to identify opportunities that can provide you with those experiences. You can do that by talking to your manager or networking in the office to get an idea of ongoing or upcoming projects that you might be able to volunteer for and gain those experiences. Once you take the time to reflect on your career, I can guarantee you're going to start identifying things that relate to where you want to go, and those are going to be the things that help sell you as that best candidate. This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. You can connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn, or you can catch me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Layfield Resume. Living Corporate is brought to you by The Leadership Range, a podcast within the Living Corporate Network. Hosted by globally certified and Fortune 500 executive coach and leadership development expert Neil Edwards, the leadership range is focused on having real, raw, soulful, and accountable conversations about inclusive leadership, allyship, professional development. Every week is a new episode with new learning and new actions to take on to grow inclusively. Make sure you check out the leadership range everywhere you listen to podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. My guest today is Carmen Ladipo. In the past three years, she's been able to balance being a black woman in the tech world, which is no small feat, by the way, full time, while maintaining her own small business in New York City, Carmen's Cookies. And I'm going to tell you right now, the pictures made me hungry. I'm going to be ordering some of Carmen's-Cookies.com as soon as this interview is over. With the help of mentorship from strong women in each of her industries, she's learned how to take up space and advocate for herself and her teammates and also take incredible pictures of cookies. Carmen, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks so much, Amy. What an intro. <laughs> Can you tell I'm hungry and I missed lunch today? <laughs> <laughs> cookies all over. So with COVID, I could talk about cookies all day long, but I actually want to start with your tech story and telling us a little bit about what is it that you do? Because tech is such a huge umbrella. Mm -hmm. um, can you kind of drill down for us on what it is you do? Absolutely. I totally stumbled into tech by accident. I had a friend working at Meetup, which is a website and an app where you can meet new people in your area. And so I applied to be on their support team where I helped, you know, members and organizers on Meetup with any problems that they might have. And then over time, I learned about UX research, which I didn't even know what UX was, you know, or anything like that when I joined Meetup initially. But, you know, it was really an opportunity to advocate for the users of your product and kind of help make sure that the people who are actually building the features for these people are really keeping their needs and experiences in mind. So I really enjoyed being able to talk to meetup users around the world about their experiences, what's working, what's not working, whether it's like a specific page that is having some trouble or maybe their whole experience, like I'm not, you know, no one is coming to my events or I'm not able to meet new people and figure out what's going on with that. So UX or user experience isn't just about the way people interact with the tech. It's also about the way they apply it in their lives, right? That's exactly right. I mean, it's such a, wide encompassing um you know area and so it's a bit of both and sometimes you have you know more quantitative researchers who are really good at things like surveys and really analyzing data i'm not as good as that, that type of stuff i'm more focused on the qualitative side which is more about like listening to those stories talking to the people figuring out um, what the patterns are after talking to a lot of people for example very, very cool. And so important because I think everybody has probably had some experience with technology that was not very user-friendly 
or yes. thought, oh, that's really cool, but I have no idea what to do with that moving on, right? Exactly. <laughs> so your role is so critical in bridging that gap between people and the technology they use and actually getting the benefits of the technology. Right. And I feel like a lot of people kind of have that experience, whether it's an app on their phone or even something like out in the real world, like you kind of notice when something's not quite working right. So as you know, learning about research, I was like, oh, wow, I can help other people figure out what else is not working right and actually make an impact on changing it to make it work better. Uh, can I ask how much of, um, of your work focuses on accessibility? Absolutely. Um, I, I know a lot of, a lot of UX designers are very, uh, very invested yeah, in accessible that's a great tech. Place. Meet, uh, Meetup is definitely focused on accessibility. And I think that there are a lot of um, opportunities to really dig into accessibility. And for me, I think I'm personally less experienced with that. So I always go to like our UX designers who have worked in, um, with accessibility more specifically because being able to even conduct user research sessions with accessibility in mind is super important and very, you know, um, important to think about how that experience might be distinct from folks who, you know, are differently able. So that's definitely something that we keep in mind. And not to put too fine a point on this, but, you know, universal design or design that's universally accept, accessible, excuse me, doesn't just benefit people with disabilities, right? It benefits all of us. When we have closed okay. captioning um, in our conversations online, it helps engage people, you know, kind of in two levels, whether they have hearing um you know, hearing difficulties or not, right? Having, you know, the big red button that's easy to find makes it easier for everybody to put the trinket in their cart, right? Not just the people who are colorblind, right? So I think there's just so much that can be done there. So what is something about your job or about being in tech, since you say you stumbled into it, that surprises you that you were not expecting um, pre-stumble? Yeah, absolutely. I think something that surprised me was the varying backgrounds that everyone has. You know, I think previously I kind of assumed that people either studied computer science or did a boot camp in design or X, Y, and Z, but that's not necessarily the case. Like, and I think it's happening even more so now that people have um, more diverse backgrounds. And so being able to see those backgrounds being some form of contribution into that tech space. Like for me, my background is in photography. So I am a very visual person. And when I'm sharing out all these fun, you know, findings that we, we get from talking to users, I try to make it um, sometimes in a visual way. And so that kind of, in terms of storytelling, right, it kind of tells that story in a more compelling way than maybe a paragraph would. That's a fantastic lesson for people because I think so often we feel like we are stuck in whatever um, whatever career we're in based on a major we chose when we were maybe 18 and a half years old. Yep. Um, and I think a lot of folks who are maybe trying to choose their major right now who are 18 and a half years old are thinking, oh my gosh, what if I pick, what if I pick photography and I end up wanting to do computer science? And what I'm hearing from you is it doesn't matter. You can go do the thing, right? Absolutely. I mean, I thought halfway through college that I was going to be a food blogger. You know, I love to bake. I love trying out new restaurants. And then, you know, I graduated. I did end up um, dabbling in food media for a time, but then realized that that wasn't really the path that I saw myself continuing in in the future. And so being able to kind of sit back and really 
think about what my values were, you know, as a person separate from my experience in college, even though that was a valuable experience for me, it doesn't have to really dictate the actual future of my life. That is so powerful. Yeah. You can learn from the experience without letting it own you, right? You can own it without letting it own you. Oh my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> that is wonderful. So, okay. So I'm sorry, I'm really hungry. And I want to talk about these amazing cookies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how did you get started? I mean, I would imagine that owning a bakery, owning your own bakery in New York city is no small task. <laughs> That's very true, which is why I'm currently exclusively online. I'm always thinking about my future. Like, what would that look like? Do I actually want to have a bakery? Would I want it to be in New York? I'm not so sure, but for now, it's great to have that hobby um, really help other people just, you know, create, bring some more joy into people's lives. And so I always love to bake. It wasn't until four or five years ago, um, I started to bring cookies to my rock climbing gym to make friends, which worked <laughs> unsurprisingly. And then after the fourth or fifth person said, hey, you should sell these are really good. I finally started to listen, you know, it's between jobs. I was like, okay, I have some time here. Let me just see what it takes, right? Like what type of paperwork I need signed, all of that. And a couple months later, I was a registered business in Brooklyn. So since then, I've been kind of putting in different degrees of effort, I could say, into this side hustle. But more recently, I started to ship around the country. And so being able to kind of open up this opportunity to share my baked goods with other people has been a great opportunity. And it occurs to me that you are using your user experience uh, background, you know, these technical chops in your bakery because you're an online bakery. That's so true. And it wasn't really something I had considered, you know, until maybe in the last year or so that UX research, UX in general is something that fully applies to my um, business. And it's not only the website in itself, but even feedback about the cookies, right? Like, oh, this shipped in X, Y, and Z way, try A, B, and C. Or, you know, I really like this flavor. What if you did that type of flavor? You know, so I'm always listening to my customers and figuring out what they want and trying to think ahead of what maybe they don't even know that they want, just trying to plan ahead and uh, make them happy. And so I'm going to ask you the same question. What surprises you about the, about this business, about this line of work that you're in, um, that you did not expect when you sat there with a recipe and Googled, how do I start a bakery in Brooklyn? (laughs) Something that comes to mind, especially when it comes to Googling how, is the actual community in itself within Brooklyn, especially, but I would say nationwide as well. You know, initially I would assume that everyone was kind of competitive, especially within the pastry world. Everyone's doing similar things in the same area, but um, on the contrary, everyone is so kind and incredibly helpful. Like I have a lot of mentors within the food service space in the baking space specifically that I can go to, whether it's a DM or text or an email, like, hey, I'm thinking about trying this out. Like, what has your experience been with that? And, you know, we're all like friends on social media and, you know, on and offline. So it's been really great to connect with everyone there. There's so much community right now um, because of technology, because of user experience designers like yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, that it seems that um, even though we keep being told that we're more disconnected than we've ever been, I don't know if I buy that. And I want to, <laughs> I want to hear your perspective on that because, you know, as somebody who, who lives on both sides of that, uh, that curtain, 
do you do you agree with that or do you think that they're that that's all hogwashers or somewhere in the middle <laughs> you know i do disagree with it generally speaking especially working at meetup which is a platform for community building in itself right being able to see and hear specific experiences from organizers who were able to pivot from meeting in person every week at a coffee shop, you know, with papers and sticky notes, and they're very interactive to moving that to a Zoom meeting, for example, and it's still being successful and even sometimes having more people come, right? It's all about convenience. And at the end of the day, people want connection regardless, whether that is in person or online. Sometimes, you know, of course, in person gives you a different level of connection. But at the end of the day, especially in the pandemic, people are seeking other people. And so being able to shift that online, whereas, you know, while it might not be 100% the same, it's still definitely important. And I've definitely been seeing a lot of people doing that successfully. That's great. And you mentioned earlier that you have a lot of mentors in different spaces. You know, mentoring is something that a lot of people struggle with. You know, how do I find a mentor? How, who, what do I say when I find somebody? How do I how do I even broker that conversation? What advice do you have for folks, whether they're in, you know, tech or another industry or an entrepreneur? How do you even start that conversation? That's a great question. And something, what I always say, and it sounds a little, I think it might sound crazy to some people, is that, you know, just even something as simple as going on Instagram, right? Finding the people whose posts you really like, figuring out why you like them and starting to interact with those people, whether it's a comment here and there, or even like a DM, honestly, just like, I think people really love hearing that they're appreciated and those for those specific reasons, right? Not just like a random generic message of like, Hey, you're cool, but really being able to connect with that person on a specific level where it's, whether it's something that you both have in common or something specific that you've noticed that they talk about that really relates that you relate to things like that. And I think being able to just kind of reach out to those people who you admire and really understanding why you admire them super important, whether that's on Instagram or LinkedIn, even I do do the same thing on both. And do you find people are pretty receptive? If you say, Hey, I think you're great. And here's why they usually don't tell you to shut up and go away. Right. (laughs) That's true. That's the thing, right? Like the worst thing that could happen is that they don't respond or they do respond that they're too busy. And then they maybe even will be able to send you in a different direction to, or to someone who has more time in their hands or something like that. So I think you know, it never hurts to try and reach out. We never know what might happen. Absolutely. In tech as a black woman, that's got to be a tough space to navigate. Yes. (laughs) I mean, you know, and I don't, I don't want to gloss over that. That's, it was tough for me being a white woman in tech. Um, White women are problematic in and of themselves, right? (laughs) For other people, but where, you know, where do you go for support in that space? Hmm. Definitely. There are a lot of communities that kind of, sometimes they're visible less, sometimes less so. Right. And so I think for me, being able to connect with the black colleagues that I had at meetup was super important. And I know that that's a privilege in itself, like being one of more than one (laughs) black employees at a company in general. And so I really tapped into that. And then through them, you know, they have friends for other companies and just kind of seeking out other experiences. I think I go back to LinkedIn a lot, but I honestly spend a lot of time like looking for people and reading different stories and posts from the community, you know, whether that's like the 
more diversity and inclusion, professional community or otherwise, like there's always interesting stories to be had and people are always willing, I think, especially if they're posting or commenting on people's posts to connect with other people who are experiencing something similar. Can I ask you, do you have, so when you have meetings within Meetup, do you use Meetup to schedule those meetings? <laughs> we do sometimes. It depends on the type of meeting. Um, when we have like more, you know, less formal gatherings for someone wants to share something that they're working on, for example, we definitely have like an internal Meetup group that we use and anyone is able to schedule an event in there. That is very cool because I, I like anything that kind of plays on itself and sort of it kind of folds on itself until it implodes. And to me, just having, having a meetup meetup at meetup is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So, okay. So where do you want to go? Like, you know, kind of in the pre-recording, we were talking about like this notion that you can only be one thing. And I said, I really wanted to talk about both of your things, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think it's important for people to see, like you can have, you know, you can have a fulfilling job that you enjoy and a passion project that you enjoy. You can have a business that's growing and a job that pays the bills. You can have a business that pays the bills while you're launching a new career, right? And, and ramping up on that. Where do you see this going for you? Are you just going to grow bigger and bigger in both? Are you going to focus? Like, what do you see as the future for, uh, for the UX cookie designer? <laughs> That is a question of the decade, Amy, something I think about every day. And I think I think about this tweet that I saw a few months ago, maybe about how it's about this phenomenon of millennials suddenly monetizing all of their hobbies, as if capitalism is getting the best of us to say, like, you need, anything you're doing that you think is of any use, like, figure out how to make money off of it. And then I was thinking, like, oh, hmm, I definitely kind of did that. And so it's always on me, like every day, you know, I ask myself while I'm in the kitchen baking my cookies, like, am I still enjoying this? Is this something that I actually want to do? Like, do I see myself doing this for the long run? And the answer is yes, but I definitely can feel the chance for it to become no, if I'm not paying attention, right? So I'm always trying to make sure I'm giving myself boundaries, whether it's work boundaries, side hustle boundaries, and anything else in between, you know, making sure that. I'm keeping a level head through it all. And so I think, you know, one of the dreams that I have bubbling around in my head is definitely like opening some type of cafe, probably not in New York City, because <laughs> rent is a little high, <laughs> among other things. But, you know, being able to kind of see people in person experiencing cookies and coffee and whatever else we may have, and maybe even creating some type of community space, you know, that we can kind of allow folks in the area to use for whatever events that they may have going on. So there's definitely iterations of these dreams that I have and they do shift over time, but it's definitely something that I consider regularly. Yeah. A lot of times when I talk to folks who've had sort of a, a what I call a lily pad career, right? Where they hop from one lily pad to another, and it's not really clear where they're going to go, but eventually it comes full circle and, and there's a picture that emerges. Right. And I love hearing, I love hearing from people who are earlier in their careers that haven't connected the dots yet and where they think it might go, what picture might be emerging. And what I'm hearing in what you're saying is like, I just want to create great experiences for people. That's absolutely right. I think it's about, for me, at least like being able to share something and it could be, you know, that whatever that thing is, has seems to have come in different forms, you know, whether it's a nice picture 
or a nice online experience or a little baked good that you have in, in your hand. I think being able to share some type of positive experience with others is definitely like the common thread so far. And, you know, we need more of that in the world. We need more people creating community, creating connection, creating good experiences for people because, you know, left to our own devices, people are not necessarily good at finding great experiences for ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. like, like we can go through, a lot of us can go through life pretty, you know, pretty haphazardly and not really appreciating the moments um, that we're engaged in. And I think, you know, good design, good experience design changes that, right? It makes us stop and appreciate and be mindful of, of the little blessings all along the way. Um, I have got to ask you about those chocolate chip cookies, Carmen. It's <laughs> like, so that's a lot of chocolate in a cookie. <laughs> yes. That's and did you say, right? and so did you say that your cookies are, are organic? Are they vegan? So I have a couple of vegan options. Generally I use organic ingredients, not hundred percent, but you know, whatever, like eggs, for example, something that is very important for me to get organic and I use King Arthur flour, which is just generally a brand that I um, respect and admire. So I'm always conscious of what ingredients I'm using and like where that money is going. Cause I think it's important for people to know where their money is going as well. That's awesome. Oh, I can't wait to get the cookies. I'm going to be ordering some <laughs> right away. Um, what advice do you have for people who maybe haven't found their passion project or maybe haven't landed in their, you know, in their industry or, or kind of found their niche, or maybe they haven't found the right mentor to help them navigate, you know, their space um, as a young black woman or a young person of color? What advice do you have for them? A couple of things come to mind. One, we, um, chatted about earlier, which was just finding people, right? Whether that's a potential mentor or people who you admire, reaching out to them, you know, because again, like what's the worst that could happen? There's always a good chance that they'll at least respond, you know, whether that's, thank you, I definitely have time to meet with you next week for an hour, or here are a couple of resources that helped me. Hopefully they can help you as well, right? And so just being able to think about how best to connect with people that you admire. And then another thing that comes to mind which I think can be underrated, but I also, at the same time, I've heard other folks talking about this as well. It's just taking time to reflect with yourself, right? Whether that's like meditation or sitting down with a notebook and a pen and just thinking about, you know, what makes you happy? What comes to mind when you think of like why you want to do a certain thing or what makes you interested in connecting with people or anything like that, right? Just being really mindful of yourself and things that you need and things that you want and figuring out from there. There's so many ways to make that, you know, a career or a passion or anything like that. So I think definitely like self-reflection is something that's so essential. It strikes me as we're talking, how connected you are to your joy. <laughs> and I'm just, I, I'm thrilled for you <laughs> because you so being, you know, enough older than you that I look at you as, you know, as a young person, right. I'm thinking, gosh, I was never so connected to my joy, right. I was always like chasing whatever the thing was trying to figure out how to be the right thing, right. To fit into wherever I was or, you know, and I just, I love that you are just so you and you're just seeking out the joy in the living and not, you know, chasing, chasing joy. 
Um, Thank you so much. I think that comes from in part a strong support system, right? And just people being around people who feel the same way and are, you know, I'm so fortunate to have parents who didn't pressure me to do one thing or one career, which is quite rare, I would say for Nigerian parents specifically, it's either doctor, lawyer, engineer. I'm sure you hear that within any range of immigrant experiences, but they really want it. as long as it paid the bills and as long as it actually made me happy, like those were their priorities. And I recognized at the time that that was special. And I really took that to heart. That's a gift for your parents to have given you, you know, kudos to your parents for, you know, saying being happy is how you achieve success and go find it. Right. Go, absolutely go seek it and, and nurture that. Oh, what a fantastic way for me to end my day. Carmen, thank you so much for your time today for your joy, for those cookies I'm about to order. I am totally <laughs> obsessed with these cookies, clearly. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and for creating experiences. Well, basically for crafting an experience for our listeners that, that I think they will have enjoyed. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Amy, for having me. I've had a great chat with you. Living Corporate is brought to you by The Access Point. The reality is this is the largest influx of black and brown talent corporate America has ever had. And as a result, a variety of talent entering the workforce are first generation professionals. The other reality, most of these folks aren't learning what it means to navigate a majority white workplace in their college classes. Enter the Access Point, a live weekly web show within the Living Corporate Network that gives black and brown college students the real talk they need and likely haven't heard elsewhere. Every week, our hosts and special guests are dropping gems, so don't miss out. Check out The Access Point, airing every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central Standard on livingcorporate.tv. Okay, wasn't Carmen a lot of fun? I absolutely love the joy that she brings to her work and to her bakery, and I'm going to just be real upfront with us. I was so distracted during this interview because I had a picture of the cookies up on the desktop as I was talking to her in the Zoom meeting. And I did order some cookies about four seconds after we hung up uh, from the interview. And I just got some, got them in the mail. Um, she ships all over the country. Um, and I waited to record this outro until I actually had the cookies in my hand. They were delicious. Um, I am a big fan, not only of the chocolate chip cookies that I was salivating over during the interview, but also the ginger molasses cookies that taste like a really, like a really strong gingerbread, um, but really chewy. And oh my God, they're so good. In fact, they're so good that I lied and I told my kids that the box was full of books and not full of cookies. Um, so I am definitely going to hell totally worth it. Um, and I'm making myself feel better about eating these cookies because of the whole responsible sourcing and sustainable uh, farming that uh, Carmen invests in for her uh, for her bakery. Um, but oh my gosh, they were just delicious. So thank you, Carmen, for sending the cookies. And, um, you know, if you enjoyed this episode and not just me salivating over the cookies, but if you actually enjoyed my interview with Carmen, don't forget to subscribe to Living Corporate. Share us with your friends and colleagues. And if you could help us out by leaving us a six-star review wherever you get your podcast, we would greatly appreciate that. Now, maybe you're thinking, Amy, there are only five stars. I can't do six. Yes, you can. You give us all five of those stars. And then you leave a couple comments about what you loved about the show or about the series. 
and that helps other people find us and other people hear these stories of everyday role models in all different parts of the economy. Don't forget to visit living-corporate.com to learn more about our other podcast videos, web shows, and more. This is Amy C. Wanninger with See It to Be It from Living Corporate, and I will see you next week. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.